Have you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university, you don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility, you want to pursue your passion, and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one-on-one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth hello everybody we have an overflowing mailbag and i am so excited to address your design questions once again today Before I do, I just want to share a little bit about what I'm currently doing in the world of design. So just personally, I am on this big clearing out kick. I don't know if it's the Marie Kondo TV show in the air. Even though I haven't watched it, I think I'm catching the spirit because everybody on my social media is talking about it. And The reason I haven't watched her show, the reason I struggled with her book is because it's kind of all or nothing. You either do it the right way or you're not going to get the effects. And that's just not how I live. It's not how I design. It's not practical for me. I'm not one of those people who, you know, fasts when they're trying to diet. In fact, I don't even try and diet. I let that go many years ago. I am not an all or nothing person. Uh, In fact, I just had a friend over the other day and I told her, you know, uh, coming off of winter time, I've been eating, you know, dessert every night. And she said, oh, Betsy, you should fast. No, no. Just like Marie Kondo says, oh, you have to look at everything in your house. You have to be super comprehensive. You can't just do this little by little or room by room. You have to really blitz it all not gonna happen. So that friend I spoke about, the one who encouraged me to fast, came over and we condoed. Yes, I'm gonna use that as a verb. We condoed only my basement. Things that we weren't using, things that I hadn't read in forever, books I hadn't opened. My husband has boxes and boxes of CDs. Now, speaking of husbands or partners, when you are condoing or when you're designing, it can be very hard to navigate a relationship because somebody else's personality or what they're feeling like is important at the time may not align with yours. My husband did not feel it was important to clean out our basement, even though things were just piling up. After being in this space for nearly four years, 
it became the place that he was throwing things that he didn't know what to do with. So we had a big pile of things he wasn't actively using. Things my mother-in-law would bring from her house and dump in our basement for us to sort through later that's never going to happen. So luckily, I have a friend who is super into organizing, which, you know, let me just say, it is much more fun to do this with a friend. If you're not sure if these items in your home spark joy, if you're looking at your friend and can say, what do you think? It is a very great test for whether you should keep something or let it go. Anyway, as I was mentioning, you have to kind of Also be thinking about that partner, even when you're clearing out with a friend. And so I had to keep saying, well, my husband wouldn't want to get rid of that. My husband wouldn't be okay with this. And that kind of compromise just isn't part of the condo philosophy. But luckily, I navigated with my friend. My husband has a whole side of the basement that is only for his sentimental stuff, his memorabilia, clothes that will never fit him again. Honey, I love you, but they're never going to fit you again. It's time to let them go. But it's not my place to toss them. However, anything else that belongs to any other member of our family, it is my place to toss. I can make that call. And I made a lot of tough calls this week in my basement. And I'm just in the mood. Some people think that you have to wait for spring, for spring cleaning, wait for an event like a dinner party or something like that to really tackle those projects you've been putting off. And instead, I say, grab a case of wine, Grab a friend who gets fulfillment out of tossing things on the curb or putting things in labeled bins and just get to work when the mood strikes. Because if I waited till the perfect time cyclically, if I waited till spring, if I waited till my husband said, you know what, we should do something about this basement, well, I'm afraid it might never get done. And now, now that I have made all this delicious room for good chi to circulate and flow, I feel it's time to bring some new pieces into my home that I'm going to be really excited about. So I'm buying a new bathroom mirror. I think I'm going to repaint. It's fun to clear out the old and then have a more clear pathway or clear vision to see what should happen next. So I hope that inspires you to... Clean, tidy, organize, or redesign whenever you feel inspired. Speaking of inspiration, let's now dive in to some delicious questions I've been receiving. The first one comes from Lindsay. Lindsay writes, Hello, it's your neighbor to the north. I am in the Toronto area and recently found your podcast, which I am loving. My eight-year-old son is enjoying it too. You speech... Excuse me. You speak with such an enthusiastic and engaging tone, it's hard not to be drawn in. I also want to thank you for creating a podcast of this platform where you so kindly answer questions from anxious homeowners like myself. You mentioned on one of your podcasts how starting with a clean slate is such an excellent opportunity to do things well. Well, I am feeling that pressure. We are building a new home and none of our furniture from our current home will be coming with us. So I am starting with the holy grail of a clean slate and I am so nervous. I don't want to screw it up. My one dilemma, and I do have many, is that the furniture layout of the family room doesn't feel quite right. 
We have a separate living room, so I would like the family room to be a cozy place where my family gets together to watch movies and for it to be a comfortable spot for entertaining as it opens up to the kitchen, which is typically where we all congregate. I'm torn between doing a really big sectional or a sofa loveseat armchair combo. The room size is 16 feet by 18 feet, and I plan on doing built-ins, a wall-to-wall entertainment center on the TV wall, as we have young children that come with lots of toys, so we need storage to keep those toys hidden away. Other considerations as I see them is that there are stairs going up along one wall, and opposite that wall is basically a wall of windows with a two-foot nook. You could put a window seat in that nook, but I have decided against it as we have a window seat in our current family room and nobody actually sits there. Rather, our kids just put all their toys there instead. So I would like to have actual seating that people will actually use. I would love your help in determining the best furniture options for this room. Thanks so much. All right. Well, I am so glad, Lindsay, that you brought up the topic of window seats because if I have another client tell me, oh, Betsy look at this area under my bay window. Right now it's currently open, but I could see custom building a beautiful window seat there and sitting there and reading a book. I think that is a lovely vision, but it is not practical. You are never going to sit there. You are never going to read a book there. Your cat might sit there, You know, it might be a great place to put that basket of toys or to leave a book, but you will not be reading there. Let's keep it real. And let me tell you why. First things first, there is not a back to a window seat generally, unless you're leaning on the wall. And that's not ideal. So people don't want to sit on a backless bench for very long. I might sit there if you're having a huge party with 30 people and there's no place to stand and no other chair to sit. But other than that, if there is a more comfortable seating option in the room, people are going to sit there. I'm going to sit on your couch instead of your window seat. I'm going to sit on your armchair instead of your window seat. I'm really trying to wrap my head around why window seats have become such a coveted thing in people's homes because truly they are completely impractical. And if you are going to be spending money on anything, please, please do not make it a window seat. All right, now let's go back to your dilemma of the family room. So you sent a couple of floor plans, and in one of them, you have dropped in a large U-shaped sectional, which faces the TV. And then the other, as you mentioned, you dropped in that sofa with the love seat and the armchairs. Now the key with this room and with any room you're redecorating is you want to prioritize the functions, or as we call them at affordable interior design, we call them zones. So what different zones do you need in this room? What I am hearing from you based on your email is that the only function for this room, the only zone, is comfortable TV viewing and hanging out, lounging, right? That is really the only purpose for this room. The other purpose or feature of this room that lends itself to a zone is that it is open to that kitchen area. So a lot of people might be coming here when you're entertaining and talking to someone who's making dinner or kind of using it as the spillover room as they grab an hors d'oeuvre or a fresh cocktail. I could see lots of gracious seating for those kinds of party-like atmospheres as well. One thing that I don't like 
I don't like that the major piece of seating, be it the sectional or the sofa, would face the kitchen, meaning the back of it faces the kitchen. The back of it separates this open concept space. And so if I'm seated on the couch, I'm staring at the TV wall, but I can't see the people behind me in the kitchen or that breakfast nook area. It kind of takes away from function number two, which is being able to see everyone and sort of hang out while I'm lounging. So while I don't want to weigh in specifically on your floor plan because there's lots of other considerations and I don't like to talk off the cuff with huge purchases like a U-shaped sectional that really need some careful evaluating, I do want to share my concern that when people separate an open concept layout with the back of a sofa, it is bad feng shui. You can't see people coming and going. It doesn't easily make that space inviting to kind of talk to people who are working or mulling around the kitchen. Instead, it segments the space into two, which is kind of the reason you took down the wall or the reason there is no wall is because you want it to feel open. You don't want to divide the room into two. I would be more inclined to place the sofa so that I can see people coming and going, so that they're not kind of moving around behind me, making me feel uncomfortable, but also so that I can talk to them while they're making that great cake for my birthday. I can talk to them and I can watch my favorite show. So you do have this window wall that shares the same wall as the breakfast nook, and I might be more inclined to put the U-shaped sectional with its back to the window wall and the TV on the opposite wall. Even though it makes it pretty deep, you could always move the couch off the wall a little bit, but I just don't love the idea of prohibiting one of those beautiful functions, which is having that open, fun chat. I'm watching my favorite show. I'm talking to my mom and dad. I'm hanging out. I think it limits your options a little too much. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. My next question comes from Jen. Jen writes, Hi, Betsy. Thanks for your podcast. It is fun and very informative. My husband and I bought our first house. Yay! Thanks to your podcast, I'm not feeling as overwhelmed as I once did with designing it. Here's my issue. Our living room needs help. We have a hodgepodge of furniture and a TV stand that we plan to replace in the coming year so we can get items that work well together. 
I have learned from you to start with a rug or a piece of art when it comes with creating the design. Is it okay to use a rug over carpeting? The house came carpeted and we plan to put in wood flooring sometime in a few years, but we will be replacing the TV stand and getting a side table and coffee table first. Can I go ahead and get a rug now or should I just wait on designing my living room until our floors are put in? Thanks for all that you do, Jen. P.S. We have two little boys, ages three and seven. Okay, Jen. Now, I think, let me clarify this misunderstanding. I want you to pick out an inspiration piece, which usually tends to be a large area rug uh, or a piece of art, because that inspiration piece will dictate the color palette for the room. It will help you choose those accent colors for fabrics, for accent pieces, for drapes, for pillows, for these kinds of things. So when creating your color palette, when deciding what hues you're going to use in the space, start first with that inspiration piece. But for other pieces of furniture that are not going to have a color, like typically a TV stand is not a Roy G. Biv rainbow color, right? Typically it's a wood tone or it's a neutral being painted white or black. Uh, You know I don't like metal or glass TV stands because you can see all the cords. Excuse me. So I am going to recommend that you go ahead and create that ideal floor plan, determining where all those major pieces go. And maybe in your case, because I do not recommend putting an area rug on top of carpeting unless the carpeting is super low pile, unless it's almost like a Berber style or commercial grade carpeting that will not be plush and impact how that area rug will lay on top of it. Knowing that, you're going to wait on the area rug more than likely. And instead, what you will do is you will either design without an inspiration piece and only choose neutral pieces for now, but that would make me feel pretty sad. I mean, I hate it when people say, I'm only renting, so I'm not going to do anything even though I have a three-year lease. I'm going to wait. Three years is a long time. One year is a long time. If you're not going to be changing up this carpeting for a few years, which is what you said in your note then I want you to start living right, right now. So why don't you use something else as your starting off point for that color palette? Use something like a piece of art or a patterned drape or a throw pillow. The only specification, well, there are two, for this inspiration piece is that it must have three Roy G. Biv colors or more, and it must be in a prominent location in the room. So even if it's as small as a throw pillow, As long as it's centrally located, in other words, on the middle of your sofa, that's perfectly fine because when I walk in, I immediately see the pillow and I visually understand where you derived all the other colors from. But for those major pieces, go ahead and pull the trigger now. And as I mentioned, I'd go ahead and pull the trigger on the entire design and just wait on that area rug and it can fit in seamlessly with the other items you've chosen when you're ready to go there. All right, let's get to Andrea's question. Andrea writes, Hi, Betsy. I love your podcast, and I have listened to 50 episodes this week. I love your book. I have two questions about my living and dining area. 
I recently moved into a craftsman-style 100-year home. The floors are dark wood, and the ceilings in the living room are coffered. The wood stain from the ceiling matches the floor, but the moldings and the baseboards and the windows are white. I want to add some built-in bookcases to my dining room, which we use as an office. I am uncertain if I should add built-ins to match the molding on the floor and windows or something darker to match the coffered ceilings. The ceilings are 10 feet high. The entire house is painted repose gray. I don't have my inspiration pieces yet, but I am waiting to read more about that in your newest book. I have lots of red and blues in the room, but still nothing on the walls. I just haven't gotten there yet. All right, Andrea. So if you are doing built-ins, I would not do them the color of the floor or the color of the beams that are in the ceiling, which is also a wood tone that matches the floor, as you'd mentioned. Instead, I would go with that painted wood color uh, if they are built-ins and not like an Ikea hack where you're buying something white. If they are truly built-ins that you're going to paint custom, I would use the exact same paint, not only the color, but also the finish that you have used on those moldings and on those baseboards. That is a way to make the built-ins look more cohesive with the architecture and recede into the background while the things that you put on the bookcases, like the books, like the bookends, like the beautiful accent pieces and picture frames, those are the things that can really pop and have the personality. All right, let's move to your next question. The living room is long and rectilinearly shaped. It has a fireplace on one end, but the mantle seems way too high to put my TV on top, and the wall parallel is just too far away. I currently have the TV right as you walk in the front door. I'm wondering if we should put the sofa facing the fireplace and put the TV on the side with the bench, although it's not really ideal for TV watching. I tried to include a sketch of my furniture placement. All right, let me check out this sketch. I gave it a quick look. And the key is that you want to get maximum value and have maximum comfort for this space. What are you doing in this space? Going back to that question I answered before, what functions or zones are the priority? And start laying out the furniture in the way that best accommodates that priority function. So if the priority function in this room is to watch the fireplace, then that's where you want to face that main piece of seating. But if the primary function in the room is to face the TV, then that's where you want to face the main piece of seating. Now you're currently doing that. You're currently, according to this floor plan, facing the TV um, opposite the sofa, but then you can't really see the fireplace except in your periphery. Now, you mentioned that you could put the TV in a place like over the bench where it's not ideal TV viewing, but it could live there. But if TV viewing is a priority in this space, right, if you've listed those functions and it's in the top three, well, that's just not going to be a viable option. I want you to watch TV with ease or else the room is not going to work well. Now, if the TV cannot go above the fireplace because of the height of the mantle, and if it cannot go on either side of the fireplace because that would not be TV viewing that is ideal, what you could think about is something that I have mentioned in previous podcasts, which is using a sectional. Because a sectional has two arms, sometimes three, but a sectional most commonly has two arms two areas for comfy seating, and each arm typically faces a different wall. So you can have two focal points and get 
optimum viewing for both focal points from one piece of furniture. So Andrea, I would consider that sectional arrangement for you if you're not wanting to put the TV on the same wall as the fireplace. All right, let's get to my next question, which comes from Rebecca. Rebecca writes, okay, oh, this could be a long one, guys. I listened to your podcast and would love your thoughts on the following dilemma. I am not a designer, maybe someday, but for now I have been asked by some friends to help with their living room and family room designs for free, of course. I'm currently doing design for my coworker and his wife and two kids and their dogs. All the info they gave me was the following. She likes the color teal. He likes mid-century modern or modern. They have an all-wood coffee table and end tables that they want to keep as well as a black TV stand. They want seating for eight. They have a family of four, but they have lots of family members who live nearby. Below are some floor plans and mood boards I have drafted. The problem I'm having is that my wife, or excuse me, that the wife thinks that the TV should be on the wall of the staircase, but I prefer to make a hallway between the sofa and the wall. I feel like it creates a good passage from the front door and creates an entryway and people won't be walking in front of people watching TV to go upstairs or to go to the kitchen. All right, so let me look at these drawings. Well, you know, I don't love the idea, just as you were kind of hesitant, that the um, people watching TV could be interrupted by a main thoroughfare, a major walkway basically leading from the front door to the other areas of the home. It just feels like you're kind of sitting in this area of congestion. That being said, as I mentioned earlier, I really don't love it when the back of the sofa faces the main point of access in the room. It makes you feel vulnerable. It's that bad feng shui because somebody could be behind you and you feel like you're not in command. You can't see everything that's going on. What I like to do is I like to explore every possible option with the sofa and the TV placement, weighing the pros and cons of all placements. You know, I try not to tell people exactly what to do with layouts in the podcast, only because you really want to think about it quite strategically. You want to weigh all your options. But I can tell you some things I wouldn't do or am reluctant to do. And I think your instincts are right that you know, having people watch TV while also walking through that main area isn't an ideal placement, but I'm not sure your placement with having this TV on the longest unbroken wall in the room is ideal either. I think you have some more exploring to do, Rebecca. Let me get to your next question. You wrote that you have done two color schemes for the space. So you gave me two mood boards with two different color schemes and you say, my design that I have created has wallpaper on the stair wall behind the console. What are your thoughts on wallpaper on just one wall? All the other walls are a medium gray that they just painted. He likes the idea and she has a negative opinion of wallpaper. Well, I would say that if both parties don't really want wallpaper, you shouldn't do it. Wallpaper is a big commitment. A lot of times these days, it's removable. They have beautiful removable options, which make it less of a commitment, but it can be very expensive to install. And, you know, if you're doing it yourself, it can be tricky to install properly. 
I give people wallpaper when they really want wallpaper because there are obstacles. And if these people are thinking about resale value anytime soon, it will not be ideal for people showing homes that they're hoping to sell or rent. And, you know, there's just too many barriers to entry with wallpaper that if you don't really want it, I certainly would never strong arm my clients to get it. All right, let's answer the next question. If the TV console is on the staircase wall, would it be okay to put a mirror above it? Oh, you're not, oh, hold on one second. I think I misunderstood that question. If the console is on the staircase wall, would it be okay to put a mirror above it as it's across from the TV so it wouldn't really reflect anything all that pretty? Um, Yes, that is totally fine. You can put a mirror above that. Uh, Just because a mirror is not reflecting anything pretty doesn't mean it's not serving a function. In this case, the mirror would be quite close to the entry door, meaning that it's serving the function of allowing you to check yourself as you're coming and going. And I always think it's nice to have a mirror close to the entryway so I can make sure I don't have broccoli in my teeth, so I can make sure that my hair is combed. Some of these things um, you want to catch before you head out in the public. All right, so let's get to your next question. You write that In the teal design schematic, I have wooden armchairs. My client is afraid that the light gray would get stained and that the dogs might get stuck in the arms of the chairs. What other types of chairs might add interest and texture without being so similar to the ones on the other side of the room? So it looks like you have upholstered armchairs on one side of the room, and then it looks like you've mentioned that you have some wooden chairs on the other side. Now, I am open to having two kinds of upholstered chairs in the same room, and they don't have to feature a lot of wood. For instance, if one chair has legs, I might do a chair that doesn't have legs opposite it. Um... And the other way that you can create contrast without drastically contrasting style is to pick a chair that is in a neutral tone while the other chairs are in a pattern or a colorful tone. Additionally, you can create contrast with seating by having some chairs that have a high back, like a wing back, and some chairs that are lower, like a slipper chair. There's lots of ways to create contrast with upholstered seating without making some of the upholstered seating primarily wood. All right. Your last question, I think this is the last question, is I might add poofs and ottomans under the console to add seating for putting on shoes or to pull over in the room for footstools. The client thinks that there should be storage under the console as it has wasted space. What are your thoughts? I wanted something narrow to keep the walkway as wide as possible. And if we change it to something with storage, I think it might be too deep or take up even more space. Help! All right. So first of all, a poof or an ottoman, if you're going to sit on it, is typically 18 by 18. And that is because that is the size you need for a booty. Now, a piece with storage, like a console, is not generally going to be much deeper than 18 inches. So whether it's a poof, an ottoman that they're going to sit on, or a storage console, they all share the same depth. Now, something I will tell you as a fledgling designer and something I firmly believe, but something I try not to talk about too much with my clients because, well, I'll tell you in a sec, is that you should do practical over pretty. 
this client is telling you, this client is saying, Rebecca, I have a ton of stuff I want to store. We have mittens, we have mail, we have leashes for the dogs, and we don't think that we're going to get as much value from a beautiful, sleek, leggy console as we would from a storage cabinet where we could put things inside but also use the top as a console with a tray. I want to give them what they need because otherwise they're going to dump all sorts of crap on top of your beautiful leggy table and it is going to look bad day to day even though it might look beautiful on the day you put it in during the installation. In other words, what's right for House Beautiful Magazine may not be right for your client. And it may cause the space to actually look worse because it's not serving her needs. It's not giving her and her family the storage that they need. And so they're having to dump in other locations, making the rest of your design look worse. I say give her what she needs, and there's plenty of beautiful functional storage pieces that will serve as a console for this area. All right. So I think I answered most of your questions, Rebecca. Happy designing. I can't wait to hear how everything pans out with your clients. Speaking of fledgling designers, guys, I want to share something with you. I have had some interest in the certification program that I spoke about before. I've been mentioning it on several podcasts, saying that I'm toying with the idea of doing Affordable Interior Design Academy because so many people come to me and say, Betsy, I really want to be an interior designer, but I don't have the time, the money, the energy to go to interior design school. I'm not sure it's what I want to do. I just want to try it first, but nobody will hire me because I don't have some kind of certification. And as you guys know, I never went to interior design school. I had to create my own school, a school that I make all my interior designers go through, the ones who work for me. I had to build my tips around how we work in a retail environment. And when you go to interior design school, you just aren't taught those rules, those proportions, those different techniques that you really need to know when you're shopping from catalogs and websites. In other words, I've been trying to make becoming an interior designer accessible to people. And I have gotten some great feedback from some of my listeners, but I haven't gotten enough feedback to make it worth it. Basically, I've gotten under 20 people saying, hey, I might be interested. And I need to see a lot more interest than that for me to move forward with creating this very in-depth program. If you are interested, I want to know. If this is something that you need, that you want, that that you would take in terms of this certification course, please reach out to me and let me know. Your votes, your voice will truly determine if it happens. So you can email me at Betsy at Affordable Interior Design. Let me know. Yes, I want you to spend time on this. Yes, it's something I've always wanted to do and I will make it happen. But as of now, I just haven't gotten enough interest. So those of you who keep writing me and saying, Betsy, please, when does it start? Not yet, guys. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Show me that it will be worth my while and I will build it for you. All right, guys. This has been a long episode and I have been Chatty Kathy. Next week, I'll keep it uh, more to the point and I hope you'll join me then. Bye. 
it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.